Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space here in West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley. Uh, as mentioned in part one this morning, I'm joined in studio this morning by Father Frank Duick, who's going to chat with us about Lectio Divina, tell us what it's all about, and so on and so forth. I have to mention it each week. Uh, so welcome to the program, Father Frank. Thank you very much, John. Thank no you indeed for yeah, joining me this yeah. morning, Father Frank. So, um, lots of people have heard me each week uh, as we read and reflect on the Gospel. Myself and Shane, we're making references to Lecture Divine on Sunday, uh, Monday nights, 8.15 to 9.15 in the Pastoral Centre in Newcastle West. I'm wondering, what's this guy talking about? So, Father Frank, first of all, what is Lectio Divina, please? Well, Lectio Divina, it's a Latin, there are two Latin words. Lectio means uh, reading and Divina, uh, divine, or they're usually translated sacred reading. It's an ancient uh, practice, um, a, a way of reading, uh, in a reflective way, reading uh, the scriptures. It goes back as far as the uh, third century, and maybe maybe further back, mm-hmm. and um, it's uh, was practiced very much by monks, but also by lay people, um, right to right down as far as the twelfth century. Lots of evidence of it. Saint Benedict said. Uh, famously, I only came across this this morning. Mm-hmm. He described Lexio Divina as traveling first class uh, towards God. Now, as I say, it was practiced very much by monks in the early uh, centuries, and um, the monks had to spend so much time each day doing this reflective reading of the scriptures. Um, but it has made a, a, in the twelve around the twelfth century, I think. I'm not quite sure in the history of the thing, but uh, around the twelfth century, it faded a bit in in popularity. But in recent times, it has come back very strongly. And uh, what's noteworthy about it this time that it's practiced very much uh, by lots of uh, lay people who mm. wish to try and uh, deepen their uh, spirituality. So you've had this big comeback of. Uh, Lexia Divina over the last uh, few decades. Um, some uh, something I was reading recently by an English priest um, suggested that Lexia Divina was particularly suitable for people with busy lifestyles. If you have a very busy lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know I have a, a catchphrase that we put up there in the banner sometimes in the church. If you're too busy to pray, yeah. you are too busy, mm-hmm. and um, so. Some people have very, very busy lifestyles today, and at the same time, they desire to uh, to keep themselves alive spiritually. So they, um, uh, this priest that I was reading recently, this English priest writing about Lexio Divina, um, suggested it was an ideal thing for busy people who have that desire to, to, to keep their spirituality alive. Uh, he sees it as uh, uh, people who want to raise their minds and hearts to God. Um, That, of course, is the definition that you and I, John, Mm. uh, had for the question and answer catechism. What is prayer? Prayer is a raising up of the mind and heart to God, which is a beautiful. Mm. I have read many, many books on prayer, John, but this is by far the best definition of prayer I have uh, come across um, in my reading about prayer, raising up the mind and heart to God. So uh, an ideal thing way of for busy people of doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned, um, you, you mentioned lay people. 
and um, just big to be nicely into our own Lecture Divina um, that uh, you lead yourself with a number of us. Um, I've mentioned, there's, I suppose there's an average of 18 to 20 people there, but the, the group could be maybe as many as 40, 30 uh, various weeks. But um, we are lay people. We're not necessarily people who are deep into Scripture and so on and so forth, but we maybe want to raise our minds and our hearts to God, as you said. So you might maybe let people know out there uh, what what kind of um, groupings or how do we organise our own lecture divina of a Monday night in Newcastle? Yeah, and I suppose I, sh- I, I, sh- I should say, John, that I'm not a Scripture scholar, mm-hmm. so it means... Uh, that I have to do a lot of preparation because it, uh, Scripture is very easily misinterpreted and I would feel very badly if I was misinterpreting uh, what the, the Scriptures mean, the Word of God means, so I put in quite a, a lot of preparation. But a, a typical meeting, you know, we start with our prayer mm-hmm. and um, and then we would actually look for a few minutes, look back over last Sunday's uh, Gospel, just mm-hmm. people would have reflected on it over the week and people might like, or they might, they may, may not, but they might like to share some thought uh, that they've been reflecting on on it during the week. That'll be for a short time, maybe five minutes. Mm. We'd read it and just give it a few minutes to anybody who wanted to share. Mm-hmm. And then we go on to the one for next Sunday, and it's always the gospel of next Sunday. Even when that's a difficult gospel, yeah, you might write. Yeah, yeah. I might feel like saying, "Oh, this is difficult," but no, yeah. you stay with it. And so uh, we read that together. Now that mm. might sound a a bit like primary school exercise, but actually, I think the people that attend know it's not. We benefit, you know, yeah. Benefit yeah. from it, you know. Yeah. So so we'd read it all together, and then I would invite three people to read it uh, individually, three times for us, and the rest of us might follow our text, or we might close our eyes and listen, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. take it in through the ear, so to speak, rather than through the eyes. And um, uh, so we've read it three times, and then we do um, a kind of a little piecemeal reading of the gospel which is picking out words and phrases mm. and um, the strange thing here John and I, I, I'm sure you have found this is that um, it's amazing how often after reading it a number of times when when we pick out the words and phrases people are asked to pick out a word or phrase yeah. to struck them yeah. and when somebody picks out a phrase you find yourself looking back at your text how did I, I miss never, that? how did I miss that yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. It, yeah. It, the emphasis mm. on very attentive reflective mm-hmm. listening you know that's why we read it uh, a number of times it's not that we're slow learners it's just that we need to really listen 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 to the text that before us it's the inspired word of god and after that then uh, we do a bit on context and that's where i have to be careful about uh, you know misinterpretations so that's where my work yes. goes into it uh, during uh, on monday normally for a few hours is um to look up commentaries and uh, see what this means or what that means and try and see the context in which this mm-hmm. th- this thing happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's context for any interpretation of any literature is very important. And so I, I would do maybe four or five minutes on that. And I think people find that valuable, valuable at least yes. they comment a good mm-hmm. bit on it, you mm-hmm. know, on that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, but as I say, I'm very careful. Uh, to make sure I follow the commentaries because I am not not a scripture scholar. <laughs> you do a very good job to yeah. us. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, after that, after that, uh, that context that you gave us, then, that you give us then, um, we then read the gospel again. Uh, one of the first reads the gospel, 
And then you invite us to focus into certain phrases, words. Yeah. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And it's speaking yeah. to... Yes, yeah. And, and what, I, what I'm doing there, I suppose, is, is like I often, you often hear me saying, let's jump forward now 2,000 years. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. the God who is active in the scriptures, the God who has this to say in the scriptures, that God is still speaking to us. And it's amazing how often he speaks to us in our experience. Mm. And so what we do is we try to look at what, what they call the movement of the passage. Yeah. And mm. that we have reflected on and read so many times. We look at the movement of them. Where do I see God working around me or in my life yeah. in this way? Mm. You know, that's mm. what I mean by jumping mm. the two thousand years. Uh, I heard somebody say one time that Lexio Divina is about marrying the Word of God and God working in our experience. You know, and so that's where we then, as you mentioned, there we have people like kind of. I would ask you like. Um, is there any particular word or phrase yeah. that strikes mm. anybody want to make mm -hmm. any comment? And quite frequently people do come up with uh, something and we try to see what is this saying. Yeah. And it is, it is not discussion, John, no. as you know. No. There's nothing better to, to, to kill a thing than a discussion about religion. Mm -hmm. you know, it's not kind of saying that's not what it means and people are arguing mm -hmm. no. that people can make their contribution. If I feel that the contribution somebody makes is, is clearly misinterpreting, uh, yeah. Then I would maybe gently correct that, yes, you know. Yeah. And um, but uh, it's it, and we don't respond if you make a comment or somebody mm -hmm. else over mm -hmm. the other mm -hmm. side. Uh, then I say, is there anybody else? Any mm -hmm. comment? I mm -hmm. don't. Uh, we don't get into discussion no. about it, you know. No. And uh, so, um, but you're all the time trying to see: is there a word or a phrase in this? passage that is particularly speaking to me at yeah. this time you know um, when we come later to that point where we uh, ask you to pick out the word of prayer I ask you one of the ways I put it John is to I want you to in silence now dialogue with the passage so yeah. here the passage has spoken to you and what do you want to say back in response to this and especially to some word or phrase and then mm. we focus on uh, a word or phrase and the last thing we do as you know is we, um, I ask you to pick out the word or phrase that you feel is most looking for your attention. That is, it might be challenging you, yeah. or it mm -hmm. might be confirming mm -hmm. you or reassuring you in some way, depending on where you're at. But it just seems to be grabbing your attention. I, I describe that as a seed. Jesus described the, the word of God as a seed that is sown in our hearts in the soil of our hearts, that just might be the word or phrase that is um, looking for your attention at, uh, or my attention at a particular moment. That may well be what we need to go away and reflect on and allow it to sink deep into our hearts because it is the word of God, God speaking. And uh, that, that and it could be different for all the people in the mm -hmm. room. They yeah. can all have a different word or phrase. Mm. And um, but that's it's very, I consider that very important. That word or phrase that's niggling at you, mm. maybe encouraging you if you're mm. feeling down, mm. or maybe challenging you and to change in some way, you know. Mm. That, and mm. I would say then, like, forget about the rest of the passage. Focus on that little seed. Let it take root in your heart and see where it goes from there, because it'll work from the inside mm. out in you, you know. And that's the thing that that, that, that when I first started uh, um, attending Lecture Divina, and you mentioned that about stay with that one word, and I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to have knowledge or be able to quote the whole gospel. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it took me a long time to, to, to appreciate. Yes, sir. 
it's it's one oh, word yeah. for me. That's right. Oh yeah, and then you see the the, the background for me anyway. The background mm. to Lexia Divina, the scripture passage, is the parable of the sower. And I would suggest to anybody to read the parable of the sower in the in the New Testament, and to see the categories of people that Jesus identifies there. And he said. Jesus was a brilliant teacher, you know. Yeah, he made yeah. things so simple. He looked mm. around him in life. He saw people fishing, and he saw people out tilling the soil and whatever, and yeah. he's trying to get a point across, and he picks something from that. And he's saying here that when, when, when God speaks, when people encounter the Word of God, some people are, are, are as open to it as tarmac, atom, or concrete. Yeah, you know, was yeah. They're totally closed. They're not listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. not going mm-hmm. to have much effect there. Yeah. Others... Yeah, they listen a bit, but they want to listen to the noises of the world as well. They don't switch off from, and they're like the people that want the seed to grow, but they uh, amid the, the thorns and the and the thistles and the and the weeds, you know. And of course, eventually they choke it, you know. Others kind of listen to it, but forget about it very quickly. And they're the people that have very little soil. There's only an inch of soil. And you know, and I know, that it's not enough to have an inch of soil for anything to grow on. Because as the roots go down, they'll meet the concrete or the rock or whatever is there. And what Jesus said, what he wants is rich soil. And he's talking about our hearts, an open, receptive heart who really wants to listen to the word of God, who wants to take it into their heart and see where it takes them. And I was just thinking there, just uh, just as we close the second part of the the program, um, might be an idea maybe for somebody to take up maybe during Lent. Um, Lecture Divina. Yeah, I think uh, an ideal thing, and you know, we will be putting a notice in the bulletin mm-hmm. now in Newcastle West and in the other parishes uh, over the next week or two, saying that to people. And you notice, John, you go there every week. Yeah. You, you there, there's always the one or two that respond to that, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. yes, yes. every now and then you go in, and there's somebody there. I don't know who Christ. who they are, Christ. you know. And uh, mm-hmm. and that's great. Like you know, they just fill in. No one makes any fuss about them. They come, they go, whatever, and. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, um, I, yeah, I think it'd be a, a very good way of, uh, of spending Lent. Uh, might just reflect a little bit more of that maybe as we through the Gospel in part three. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we'd better go for a little bit of music. And just to finish off this second part, we'll go for a piece by John Michael Talbot, his album um, Signatures, and this is entitled uh, God Alone is Enough. So come back and join us again in part three. trouble you and let nothing frighten you for everything passes but God will never change patient endurance will obtain everything whoever has God wants for nothing at all God alone 
trouble you And let nothing frighten you For everything passes But God will never change you Sacred Space. So welcome back again to part three of Sacred Space. Uh, my name is John Kelly. I'm still joined in studio here by Father Frank Duick. And um, thank you very much indeed, Frank, uh, Father Frank, for, for giving us an idea there of Lecture Divina. And of course, to remind people again, 8.15 to 9.15 in the Pastoral Centre in Newcastle West uh, every Monday night. So this, as usual, is the most important part of any programme we do here in Sacred Space, where we read and reflect on the Word of God. And um, Father Frank uh, mentioned early on that we have a prayer that we always pray uh, together. And um, so this prayer that we always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Lord, Lord we, we thank, thank you, you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving your word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening, we ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Just, John, as we said that prayer there, uh, just reminds me that that's a prayer that I, I, I got from a book on Lexio Divina by mm. Cardinal Martini, who was the Archbishop of Milan. He has now died, God rest his soul. But 
he used to have Lexio Divina for a group of young people in the cathedral in Milan, and he sometimes had a few thousand, up to 4,000 people wow. uh, in, uh, at Lexio Divina. So in case anybody thinks it's, it's just monks or older people, uh, it touches the hearts of every age. And even in Newcastle West, they've now grouped a variety of people from different strata of society and different ages that come there. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Thanks be to God. So the Gospel for this week is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, and Father Frank suggested when we're done um, Lecture Divina on Monday night that we read a shorter version. So Father Frank's going to read that for us now. Thank you, Father. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, if your virtue goes no deeper than that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You have learned how it was said to our ancestors, you must not kill, and if anyone does kill, he must answer for it before the court. But I say this to you, anyone who is angry with his brother will answer for it before the court. You have learned how it was said, you must not commit adultery. But I say this to you, if a man looks at a woman lustfully, He has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, you have learned how it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must fulfill your oaths to the Lord. But I say this to you, do not swear at all. All you need say is yes, if you mean yes, no, if you mean no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for that, Father Frank. So, um, it might be an idea if we actually practice a little bit of the Lectio Divina that we do each Monday night. So, take this gospel, maybe share with us how you would go through the, the Lectio, as you did last I think you first of all give us a bit of background context. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I think one of the things that needs explanation there, by way uh, regarding the context, is when Jesus said, if your virtue goes no deeper than that of the scribes and Pharisees. Mm. So obviously he's not happy with uh, the way the scribes and Pharisees are presenting uh, the word of God and the, 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 the way of life and the plan mm. that God has put before us. And what they, they I would say the scribes and Pharisees were serious uh, scholars and uh, good people, but they drifted into a very... Um, narrow legalistic type of interpretation of the the word of God and uh, they had a whole pile of uh, little minutiae of laws mm. that don't make much sense to us now but um, and they became the core of their uh, their teaching and if you observed all these external observable things then you were being a good a good person and and, and you're they didn't question your virtue, but mm. Jesus is not happy with that. So there's quite a there's quite a contrast between the understanding of laws as presented um, by the scribes and Pharisees uh, uh, there, uh, and and Jesus' understanding of law. And you have that there. You know, he, he says, "You have learned how it was said, but I say this to you." Now it's very important, John, that we don't think that Jesus is rubbishing. Uh, yeah. The old law. Mm-hmm. He is not there in the Old Testament, not at all. He uh, came not to destroy the law, he said, but to fulfill it. He is opening it up into a new dimension of it. In fact, we, we call, uh, uh, I suppose, the, the new law of Christ. So you have that thing, you have learned how it was said, but I say mm-hmm. this to you. Mm-hmm. And of course, when he says, I say this to you, he's, he's assuming an authority. 
and mm. uh, as God, but he is God. Yeah. And therefore, mm-hmm. highly qualified to speak on the, on the word of God. You know? I, so yeah. what you have there is that uh, the, the, the great um, gulf there is between the scribes and Pharisees' understanding and what they were putting forward and what Jesus wants to put forward. Mm. And you know, John, from over the years with uh, Lexio Divina, how often we meet Jesus at loggerheads with the scribes and Pharisees. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's about this legalism, this external thing Jesus is on about the heart. Now, this passage is part of the, count of the Sermon on the Mount, that part of Matthew's Gospel, which has a great summary of Jesus' teaching. And this is taken from that. And um, Jesus is really talking here about how to interpret the commandments. And what he does here, he picks a few of the commandments and he kind of shows the difference in his approach to interpreting them and what they mean and how we live them to that that was being put forward Mm. by the scribes and Pharisees. So he says there, you you heard it there, uh, you you must not kill. Mm. What we know is the fifth commandment. Mm. And and if you if you do kill, you answer before the court. We know that's the way mm-hmm, in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say this: you anyone who is angry with his brother will answer for it before the court, before the court of God. The so what he's really saying is like this: you could have somebody supposing uh, somebody goes before the courts and uh, is cleared and mm-hmm. is genuinely not guilty mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, that's fine, that person is clear. But if you have a person who doesn't go before the court at all because he didn't actually kill anybody, but he's seething with anger if had a half a and chance. intent yeah. and, and mm. a desire to kill if he thought he'd get away with it, then and that he's, mm. there's an anger a seething inside him and a, a viciousness and a, a, that a desire to kill that um, Jesus is concerned about. He says it's not enough uh, yeah. to escape in the, the courts, but mm. I look into the heart. Yeah. Beautiful. And you know, the thing that you mentioned there, as you mentioned that, I I couldn't help but think, as you always uh, tell us at Lecture Divina of a Monday night, again, this gospel is always speaking to ourselves. So there's loads of times when we might try to get away with the law. But inside our heart, you said, Jesus is looking inside my heart. Yeah, yeah. And and you see, there is that temptation. You see, as I said earlier, the scribes and Pharisees, they're kind of, in a way, they're kind of, maybe not consciously, or deliberately, but they kind of tailored the thing to to, to suit them, you know. And we can do that too Mm -hmm. as well with the teaching of Jesus. You know, we can say, well, Jesus didn't really mean this, and we we, we, we chip away at it a little bit to make it a little bit more comfortable, you know. But um, we mustn't do that with the with the Word of God. This is the inspired Word of God. We're not dealing with something from a good spiritual book. This is the inspired Word of God. We must not tamper with it. And uh, and in a way, maybe consciously or unconsciously, the scribes and Pharisees did tamper with it. But we shouldn't be too judgmental of the scribes and Pharisees because we can have the same temptation ourselves to, to chip away at a teaching that we find a bit challenging and make it a little bit softer, you know. And but he looks into the heart. That's the heart, the heart, the heart. That's the point. And so, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and as you said earlier on, that can be very challenging. We oh, don't want to yeah. face that. That's right. And sometimes during Lecture Divina, um, maybe the time when we're all picking out certain words, yeah. and a certain person over the other side of the room picks out a word. Yes. I didn't, didn't want that. That's challenging for it me. It is. Oh, very. But it's not the Holy Spirit 
Hmm. Trying to help me out. It is, yeah. Absolutely, he's guiding you mm-hmm. there. And you see, that's what I was saying earlier about jumping the 2,000 years from, uh, you know, from reading the scripture yeah. down to our own life. Yeah. And what you're experiencing there now, here is the word of God, which comes from 2,000 years mm-hmm. ago. And, uh, and the next thing, it's actually challenging us yeah. might be that it's reaffirming a mm. person mm. who is really struggling in life might be very reaffirmed by a word of God mm. it's not necessarily always something that's always challenging but as you say you could hear someone else pick out a phrase that you saw there alright but you didn't really want to and he, because he, and the Holy Spirit could be saying yes I know this is difficult but I want you to change this is where I want to lead you so I think that phrase yeah. or word is, is very important and it's not also bring out that whole meaning of that phrase um, the word of God is alive and active that's right and that's taken from the, the letter to the Hebrews yeah. and um, that the word of God is, is a living thing you know I was t- talking about the, you know, the parables or the living word of God it's 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 not like any other book we read, the scriptures. It's the inspired word of God, and it's been described, as you say, as a living thing in the letter to the Hebrews. It's alive and active, and it cuts more finely than a double-edged sword. It makes its way deep into the heart and can can get in between the bone and the marrow, so yeah, to speak, yeah. of, of ourselves. Mm. And that's where the word of God must be heard in our hearts. It's with the ears of the heart, above all, that we hear the word of God, not just with these our two ears. And uh, and the idea of getting it into the heart is to let it take root there and change us from the inside. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the Pharisees were into making external changes in their lives that everybody would observe. Mm. This is about changing from the inside because everything, as you know, comes from the heart. One of the thoughts that I had, and I'd say quite a few other people had uh, before they went to Lecture Divina, I should have heard this gospel before. I, yeah. I know what that means and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. And I think you've been practicing uh, Lecture Divina in Newcastle West for about 13 years. I think I've been there for probably half of those, mm. uh, maybe a bit more. And when I hear the gospel um, being lectured Divina, practice lectured Divina with your good self, uh, maybe two or three times, maybe the same gospel, there's always something new. There's always a different layer. So I don't know it all. No, 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 we don't. And I mean, like we, we're at it 13, you could, we could be at it 130 years <laughs> and we'd we find <laughs> something new. And you'll never get to the bottom of what God has to say, you mm. know. And, um, and there's layer after layer of meaning in it. And I often keep repeating that. And um, and then you probably notice sometimes that if we were repeating a passage that we did before in the three-year yeah, cycle, yeah. maybe we'd have done it maybe about three times or four times mm, before, mm. and that it might be I might be taking a different slant. Well, that's just from reflecting on the commentaries because there's so much you can take from any individual passage. We've only a short time there yeah, on, yeah. Uh, Monday evening. And uh, so I try to take, I keep my notes from the previous years mm. and I try to take a slightly mm. different angle mm. because there's so much, but we'll never get to the bottom of it, John. Don't worry. We'll, no. No. <laughs> because the one thing that comes through continually when, when you um, break open that gospel to us is the love of God for us. And you mentioned a lovely little thing there to us there on, on Monday night about the Sacred Heart picture. If we look yes. at the Sacred Heart picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did you have in the Sacred Heart picture, John? It's not that some photographer went down to Nazareth mm. and took a photograph of Jesus, as you know. Mm. It was what you have there is an artist's impression of Jesus, and I always feel that whoever came up with that first um, had read the Gospels and had reflected yeah. on them and mm-hmm. knew in their heart and soul that the core of the message of Jesus was 
God's love for us and the love that he invites in, by way of response in the way we live our lives. So what the artist said then, look, it's all about love. And Jesus was asked to sum up all his teaching. He said, love God and love your neighbor. And so the artist is, is quite right. And um, so you have this picture of Jesus with his heart exposed and his finger pointing to the heart. I think there in that picture alone, you have a summary of the teaching of Jesus. It's all about love, you know, and it's a lovely thing to 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 introduce children to because they can look at that picture and, and see. You, know. you might even share that experience you had there the other di- the other night with the children. Yes, uh, talking to the children, you know, the the first uh, meeting the children from each of the schools uh, with their parents and separate night each school mm-hmm. a separate night and. Uh, they do four of those nights in the course of the year as we prepare for First Communion and the other night we were doing preparing them for their first confession was I was covering that the teachers mm-hmm. do all this in school but I was just coming at it you know mm-hmm. from an angle and, um, and and I was saying that the big thing I want you to remember from all these nights we have here with yourself and your parents the most important thing I want you to remember always is that God never stops loving you and I said, are you surprised that even if you sin, that God never stops loving you? And they were surprised at that. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, one minute now, just think of it home now. You do something wrong at home, and your mommy or daddy is cross with you, and they give out to you, and they say, you mustn't do that again, and so forth. But do your mommy and daddy stop loving you because mm-hmm. you did something mm-hmm. wrong? And they, mm-hmm. they all almost said it as a chorus. No, they never stop loving us. Yeah. And I said, that's what I'm saying about God. He never stops loving you. And St. John, the beloved disciple, who I believe was the one that sat up late with Jesus at night, reflecting on the scripture and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what Jesus mm-hmm. had to say. Mm-hmm. And his, his great statement is, in one of his uh, epistles, God is love. Yeah. And he can't stop mm-hmm. loving you. because He ceases to be God if he stops mm-hmm. loving Oh, the children wouldn't understand fully that concept, no. you know. But I was in, in one of the schools actually this morning and... and um, Again, and I just said to them, what did I say was the most important thing to remember? And they had it for me, you know, mm. straight away. So I was delighted that they got it. I didn't mind if they, you know, they won't Great. remember Great. everything. Brilliant. But they, they had it. I mean, it's so important. And when we're talking about confession, that is the most important thing to remember, is that God is love. Not that we're going into a God who's going to punish us because mm. we've sinned, but a God who loves me despite my sin, doesn't like my sin, mm. but always loves me. And if there'd be a lot more people going to confession today if they had that basic thing it's primarily about God's love not primarily about confessing our sins even though we do that of course in that circle you know so, that's that, that's a beautiful way to finish up the you know the program just emphasizing God's love there and I, I couldn't help thinking there as you're going through that you know even by reading the gospels you know God is uh, Jesus is really teaching us he, he's not having a go at us but he, he's really guiding us around to which is the best way for me um, to live my life and to, and to love God. Just like a, a parent is trying to guide a child. That's right. Yeah. Don't like to be chided every now and again, right, yeah. but yeah, when yeah. we look back at it after all those years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see, and you see children are so open to the message of Jesus. Mm, and it's so beautiful. important. And so important that parents, you know, take the opportunity while they have it. So it may be Monday night, uh, quarter past eight, quarter past nine, pastoral centre. Um, you'd be open to a few more, uh, few more people joining. Oh, the election, the yeah, come along, come along. They, um, there's, um, and every now and then, as you know, John, somebody appears. Yeah, and uh, well, 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 at a time like coming up to Lent, now we will actually be putting in our bulletins. You mm-hmm. know, encouraging mm-hmm. people that this is one of the things you might do for Lent. 
for those people out there who listen to me um, mention Lecture Divina every Monday night, now there's your there's your um, your invitation. Come and join us every Monday night, quarter past eight, quarter past nine in the Paris Centre, Newcastle West. Father Frank, thank you so much for joining us this You're morning, welcome. and we're going with our final bit of music, and this one is by James Coban, and it's entitled "How Lovely Are the Mountains." Next week, I bless you all. Now, bye. Sacred Space.